Thank you. Um, I'm glad to see that there's this much interest in this topic. Um, so, but the first thing though, I'm going to assume because of the title of the presentation that everybody here is a building product manufacturer or understands the process and uh, how things work in marketing to uh, architects and engineers and other construction professionals. Um, I'm going to go through the presentation uh, faster than the time allotted so that there's time for questions. So if there's anything I go through too quickly, I'll be happy to cover it uh, at the end of the presentation and answer questions then. So let's start with the title. Notice that we called it increased sales uh, through marketing communications. And that's important um, because it's about selling. First of all, sales and marketing work together. Sometimes I, you know, I see it in companies that the two are very separate and independent, but really the marketing communications is supposed to drive the leads and then the leads are closed by the sales force. So the two, one can't exist without the other and the two should be working very closely and things should be very much integrated. It's also about sales, not profitability. So you can have the uh, most sales in the world. Uh, you can be the number one volume dealer for whatever your product is and still lose money because marketing is about running the business properly. It's about your production costs, it's about your markups, profit margin, the competition, overhead, and all that. It's, it's going back to the basics of marketing, you know, the right products at the right price and the right quantities in the right place at the right time. But today we're talking about increasing sales through marketing communications. So the first thing I wanna talk about is marketing is all about human behavior. I'm a bit of a marketing geek, you know. I, I read a lot about sociology, psychology, and political science. It's, uh, to me, it's not about making money. Although, don't get me wrong, I like, I like money as much as the next guy. But I'm actually fascinated by how we are motivating each other. And marketing is about motivating people to buy your product or service. And so I'm interested in about understanding how we behave, how we interact. Um, some people go into uh, marketing because they're more into economics. And uh, I'm, I'm really into it because I'm really fascinated by the psychology and sociology of it all. But if I wasn't into making a lot of money, I wouldn't, be, uh, I wouldn't have become an entrepreneur and started AEC Daily uh, with my partner, Jeff. And we certainly wouldn't be the uh, number one provider of online uh, continuing education in the construction industry. So let's talk about human behavior. Human behavior, and branding is about the same thing. So to really do good marketing communication, you need to understand the psychology behind branding. You need to have good branding for the, your marketing communications to be very effective. So what is branding? Well, branding is creating a personality for your product or service. And the word personality with the, the root there, person, is very, very important because we're able to assign personalities to all kinds of things, including inanimate objects. Um, it's our ability to generalize, which has been a very powerful. We learned and we were able to generalize. It was a great survival skill. It allowed us to, uh, when, you know, when we were in the jungle and we were primitive and uh, we were walking down the path and then suddenly a lion jumped out and ate Bob, we didn't say, well, that was too bad for Bob, and we assumed that the lion had a bad day. No, we said, you know, lion, bad. 
Maybe we should stay away from lying. We assumed all lions were bad because we learned something about the lion's behavior. And it could have been that sometimes we learned to generalize because uh, of a, a coincidence, and we're very good at that. Uh, we call it stereotyping. And sometimes when we do that, it can also be very negative and it becomes racism. But our ability to generalize and stereotype and assign personality and traits with very little information ultimately is what leads to successful branding. Let's talk about stereotypes for a second, because it's based often on what we've learned and, and not about the facts. And, and that can be good and bad in marketing, because in marketing it means that you can have a product which is inferior and still uh, assign positive qualities to it because the marketing has made you believe that it's, it's a good thing. So if you look at this individual here, as you can see, he's uh, wearing a law enforcement uh, type of uniform. He's clean cut. Um, so he seems probably, and most, most of us would say, a person you can trust, a, a worthwhile, valued individual. Whereas this individual here, uh, you know, he needs uh, his, his clothes are a little uh, disjointed. <laughs> uh, he ha obviously hasn't shaved for a long time, perhaps, so we can't quite tell here, but maybe he hasn't had a bath for a while. He's sort of more your typical homeless person. Uh, that doesn't mean that the guy on the right isn't actually the, the, salt, the salt of the earth, the most uh, honest reliable, helpful person in the world. But we have learned to use certain visual cues and make assumptions on people that way, and, and we've developed stereotypes. So it's the same thing with your product or your service. It's not necessarily about how good it is, sadly. It's about how you market it. So the brand. A brand, uh, it can be a very powerful thing when people learn about it. Uh, let me see. Uh, Anybody recognize this person? Yes. Yeah, that's what I thought. Eh? Barack Obama. You probably have feelings about him. Some of you might like him. Some of you might hate him. You, but you probably have some pretty powerful feelings and opinion about him. And yet, I'm pretty sure none of you have ever met him. You've seen him on television. But even that has been short clips. And you know it's been well-managed. You know the message that he's communicating to you has been coordinated and organized. And when he goes on a talk show or when he does a speech or when he is at a presentation somewhere, you know it's all coordinated. And yet he has managed in every American's mind to create a persona, a personality, despite the fact that 99% of Americans have never met him. And that's the same thing with the brand. You can develop through marketing communication an entire persona for your product as well. Here's an example of brand personality. I mean, who hasn't heard of Apple? And who hasn't heard of the uh, iTunes and uh, the new iPhone? Or, uh, you know, w this is a, this is an, uh, this item is an MP, ultimately is an MP3 player. It's a pretty good one. It works quite well. But there's lots of MP3 players out there. But people are buying this particular MP3 player because the iPod has become a symbol. It has a personality. It means a lot of things to people. People will say they trust Apple. They will say they trust a lot of brands. It's funny because, you know, when you say you trust a brand, what are you trusting? You're trusting a name? You're trusting a product made by a corporation. You know, the corporation, it could be the product of thousands and thousands of people. And so it's, we are associating 
a personality as if it's a person. We're trusting it. It's very strange to trust an inanimate object, but we're very, very able to do it. And that's the power behind brand and branding. Sometimes, though, that can lead to brand confusion when the people who are in charge in those corporations don't understand their own brand. They don't understand how people perceive it. Or they've lost control of their brand. They've lost control of how the brand developed and how people are working with it. So if you look at, for example, this brilliant idea, Frito-Lay Lemonade. <laughs> yeah, I know, that I had the same reaction. Because it doesn't seem to make sense. Salty corn chips, that, make, that makes you thirsty, right? So would thirst quenching be something that you would say about Frito-Lay? Does that fit with the brand? No, I, I, we all seem to agree here. I don't know what the people who developed this idea, obviously there were many of them who worked on this project who believed this was the right thing to do. And somehow they didn't seem to have the insight that we all have here listening to this presentation that this doesn't seem like a great idea and it's not consistent with the brand they've developed. Did they not understand the brand? Did they not, were they too close to it? Did they not do their research? I don't know. Here's another great example. Anybody interested in Colgate's kitchen entrees? <laughs> I mean, teeth cleaning and eating. I mean, I know that's the same part. It's all happening in the mouth there. But uh, I have a hard time imagining, you know, those mint flavors that I associate with dental hygiene uh, and, uh, and moving on to food, entrees, frozen entrees I buy in the supermarket. Here's another brilliant one. Gerber Singles. Now, you know Gerber? Those are the people that create baby foods. Well, they had the brilliant idea of having adult food in baby jars because apparently sometimes adults like eating the baby food that came in those jars. But ah, I can't imagine the broad appeal to that, you know, the very small single serving of mushy food for adults, vegetables in little jars. I mean, it doesn't make sense to me now, and apparently it didn't make sense to the majority of the public because this brand failed as well. Here's another one. Bic underwear. You know, Bic, the people who make pens. Well, because their pens were disposable, they rationalized that they work with plastics and nylons and other uh, things like that, and they make disposable things, so they should make disposable pantyhose. Again, you know, there was a big disconnect there. People didn't feel comfortable. They didn't trust that the brand was right to be making pantyhose. I think the very best quote I've ever seen was from Michael Eisner, the CEO of Walt Disney. He said, a brand is a living entity and it is enriched or undermined cumulatively over time, the product of a thousand small gestures. And that's the key, the key. you know, sometimes we think we do one campaign, one big giant ideas and we put, spend a lot of time on the logo and on the name and on the, the, the tagline, but we forget that it's the details and it's the time. It takes a long time to build a brand. Coca-Cola, McDonald's, these brands were not built in one week or a month or even a year. They were built over many, many years. And it's every time somebody went into McDonald's, every time somebody had a can of Coke, every commercial they saw over the years, that's what builds the brand. So branding is about experiences. 
There's many experiences, and people forget. They think about the marketing communication, but how your sales rep deals with your customer is part of the brand experience. The package it comes in, the people they buy it from, which is really scary because, you know, if you're a building product manufacturer, you're not generally delivering your product directly to the people who are going to use it in order in the future. There's a middleman involved, and that person's uh, dealing with your customer will affect your brand. So good experiences and bad experiences can affect the brand. I used to work for an insurance company for many years, and we had underwriting. You know, people apply for insurance. They fill out after you. We had done the beautiful marketing, the exciting marketing. They got people to call in and apply for insurance. Then they filled out the form, and they went to the underwriting department that we started to call the sales prevention department. <laughs> because they treated everybody who applied like they were trying to cheat the company. You know how applying for insurance works. Same thing. And so that was negatively affecting the brand. Not that being an insurance company is particularly good for the brand in the first place. The whole industry has a bit of an image issue. But uh, it is about those experiences. It's the billing department, the people who send the invoices. What does your looks like? What does, uh, you know, the... The people who are calling to collect, how are they handling things? Uh, what about the post-sale? All these things, these are all experiences. And ultimately, I said earlier that with marketing, you can avoid, you can create a great persona with even a bad product or service. But of course, that's not true over the long term, because if your product is horrible and people have bad experiences with it, it affects your brand. And you won't build a long-term brand with a product that's flawed. So let's talk about, you know, doing it right. I'm just going to give you one example here. You know, everybody's heard of Walmart. So what is Walmart? Walmart is a big open discount store with fluorescent lighting and shelves and low prices. Did they invent that? No. There was lots of companies doing it before they were doing it. But what are they doing? They're doing everything right. Well, perhaps, I'm sure not everything. I'm sure they make mistakes too. But their system, their process, their marketing, their customer relationship, they look at everything and they make sure everything works together properly. They make sure they're more efficient than anybody else so they can have the lowest prices. But they make sure the experience and the image is what they want. And certainly they've had a bit of an image problem in the last couple of years, but you'll notice they've been working pretty hard on that. Making sure that their new buildings are environmentally friendly. Working more and more with the community. Their latest advertising and rebranding is trying to give themselves or bring back the image or improve their image. I want you to look for a second at just one area, the greeter. You know, the person that stands at the front, much maligned, unfortunately, sometimes by, uh, uh, by people, but it's really, that person is there for loss control. That person is there for security. That person is there to make sure that product doesn't walk out without being paid. But you notice that they're also there to greet. They smile, they welcome you, they're there to help you. See, I can imagine, I wasn't there, but I can imagine that somebody said, okay, we're going to have somebody at the front to make sure that we stop losing product, lost control. But while they're there, why don't we just get them to sort of greet our customers and be friendly? They could have put a security guard, some big person that looked really tough and intimidating. But that's not quite the image they wanted. That's not a great way to get your people into the store and make them feel good as they first enter. That's their first impression. 
So instead of a big, tough, burly security guard, it's a greeter. But believe me, their job in loss control is very, very important as well. So branding is about communication with the client, the connection you have. And brand, marketing communication is about communication with the clients. And there's two types of communication that you have to look at, and we forget about one of them. You have live communications with your client, and that's perhaps sales, that's perhaps where they're on the telephone, um, that's perhaps where you're, they're in the store, even though that may not be your employees as a building product manufacturer. But all those experiences, all those communications have to do with your branding, how your customer is treated is going to impact how they view your brand and who you are. But you also have published or automated uh, communications with your client. And those are equally important. You know, advertising is a communication with a client. It may be one way in many cases, your website, your advertising, whatever it is. But also I want to specifically talk about email. How many people have sent an email to a company to complain about something and never heard back or only heard back 48 hours later? You know when I call, I get an answer during business hour instantly. But email, for some reason, we've all decided that we're going to delay that answer or we're going to have some automated response, some machine guess what the answer might be. I don't know about you guys, but the frustration that I experience when that happens to me just gives me this terrible feeling towards the company. And it's also teaching me not to bother sending emails. I call because sending emails, I don't get an instant answer. I get a very slow answer. And half the time, it's not the right answer by some faceless, nameless person, which I suspect most of the time is some sort of computer. But enough about branding. You're here to learn about marketing communication. So here's the ideal communication plan as I see it. There's three parts to an ideal building product manufacturer's communication plan. And the very first one is awareness. And that's the one I think everybody's aware of. You know, the biggest challenge for any manufacturer is getting your product or your brand known. You know, there's millions of products out there. You need to make sure that you're top of mind. And that's what awareness is all about. It's all about building your brand through your communication, brand building. Generally, awareness building is combining well-placed advertising and promotions. Um, it's the ideal mix for this task that will put your brand in front of your target group and you have to figure out how to reach them at the times when they're most receptive. You have to know when they're is the best time to reach them. So, you know, if obviously the best time is just about when they're about, they're about to make the decision as to which product to specify or purchase. You don't always know that. But trying to reach these people at the time when they're making those decisions, when the budgets are being determined and spent is what you're trying to do. That's what I mean by the timing. So typically, this is what most people are doing. It's a mixture of directories, trade shows, magazine ads, newspaper ads, online advertising, conferences, that kind of thing. It's very important. But it's important to remember that advertising is most effective at building awareness. But it will not do a good job at conveying complex information about your product. Advertising is about awareness, not about understanding. You still have a job to do. Because they might know who you are, and they might understand what your product is. They might have heard the name, but if they don't know how to use it or when to use it, and this is very specific to the building product industry. It's a very complex decision. 
Most architects or engineers specify products out of habit. It's what they've, they specify what they've always used because they're comfortable with it. And you might have a new product, but if they don't understand when to use it, or if they've heard things about it that concern them, they're not going to take the risk. So the awareness only goes so far. You need to move on. You need to move on to understanding. Understanding is education. And that happens to be what at AEC Daily where we do. That's what we're expert in. And it wasn't an area that was well done online. But certainly lunch and learns have been part of the uh, education marketing that have been that building product manufacturers have done for many years. Now I know not every building product manufacturer out there does it. So just quickly, so everybody understands, education is mandatory for most architects and most engineers and specifiers and the people involved in the construction, even the, the interior designers, uh, often have mandatory education requirements, statutory, by law. And there are two types of education. There are, there is live education, and that's the lunch and learn or the seminars, or what you might do at a trade show, where they get their credits by sitting in a presentation. But the other one is a distance learning. Distance learning, you know, the traditional distance learning was called correspondence school. Uh, obviously you didn't do it as a building product manufacturers, but uh, you, certainly you could do a read for credit in print, and that's one way of doing it, but the way it's being done now is online. Because the convenience of online is it can be done when they want, whenever the architect has the time when it's convenient or when it fits with a project. You know, if I'm going to learn about trench drainage, I'm going to do it when I have a project that involves trench drainage. That's where I'll pick that course. So instead of, you know, having somebody call me and say, I want to teach you about trench drainage, and you think, well, okay, I need the credit, but it's not quite the course I was looking for right now. If they can go online and pick from hundreds of courses, you know, we have a building library with hundreds of topics, then they'll pick the topic that's most relevant for them. And here you have a chance to spend an hour, because an hour is a typical length of a credit, teaching that potential client about something your product is good at. And I'm, notice I didn't say about your product. The education has to be objective or it won't count, it won't be recognized by anybody. But of course, at the beginning, at the end, you can put your brand. You can deliver this education. And of course, when you're done with the education, you as the educator get their name and their address and their phone number, which is why, you know, which is something I'm not going to lie about. You're going to have valuable information about them. You're going to know they have spent an hour learning about a product category in an area that you're strong in. If you weren't strong in that area, you wouldn't have created the course in the first place, which means now that you can follow up with this customer and say, so, Mr. Smith, I see you took a course on trench drainage. You must have some interest. Can I come in and work with you and teach you a little bit more about our trench drainage products and how they solve all the problems you've learned about in the educational course you took? And that's the final key in this understanding part of marketing to the, uh, to the design professional in the construction industry. This part has to be integrated into all activities. 
I can't tell you how at AEC Daily we have clients, it, it always astounds me, that get leads every month, dozens and dozens of leads, and do nothing with them. I think probably that's a symptom of a company where marketing and sales are not integrated, where they don't work together, where the two are not combined. This is very, very important. All marketing communication activities, all parts of your company have to work together. And I know it's a challenge because some of you are only responsible for one area. So you need to go and convince others to work with you if you're the marketing person. You need to work with sales. And if you're sales, you need to make sure that you're working with marketing and understand what they're doing. And hopefully you won't be fighting politics. And hopefully there won't be any turf wars over who should be doing it. The third area is accessibility. And no, I'm not talking about people with handicaps, because that's a term that's often used, and we actually have a, a classification at AC Daily for accessibility courses. No, I'm talking about accessibility in terms of making the information accessible, because once your, your target group, your potential client, a designer, is aware of your brand, trusts your brand, is comfortable with your brand, and once they understand how to use it, where to use it, when to use it, and how to use it, you could still fail. You have to make it easy for the designer to incorporate your product in their project. And what does that mean? Well, it means that because most people now design electronically, you need electronic specifications and CAD details. Don't make them have to draw your product for you. That's a lot of work. They should be able to just drag and drop. They should be able to use your product and drop it into their plan with very little effort. They should take your specifications, which you've written carefully to be an objective, three-part master format spec, and drop it into their plan, perhaps with a little bit of adjustment. And it should all be, whether it's a CAD detail or the electronic specification, in a format that is easy for them to use, that they can use with whatever software they're using without having to fight with the technology. They're designers, they're not computer programmers. The second part of this, the accessibility, is BIM. I know that's a very big word, it's a buzzword everywhere, but sadly very, very poorly understood by most people. BIM stands for Building Information Modeling. And it is not just a 3D design. Some people think that's all it is. BIM is about complete life cycle information. And a true perfect BIM file should include a 3D CAD for the design portion. It should include specification. It should include installation information, operation information, because it's not just for the building portion of the, the design phase of the building portion, BIM is about the life cycle. So it's for the owner of the building, the facility management. It's, so it's maintenance information, and even in some cases, decommissioning information, the entire life cycle. Now, I've hardly ever seen a BIM file, a BIM model that completes that completes the entire life cycle, that has all the information. But that is the vision. That's the idea behind BIM. And that's where we should be going. The more information in that BIM file, the better. And part of the problem, of course, is there is no BIM file standard either. 
the, the standard depends on which platform people are using and how they can organize the information. So I suppose ultimately a BIM file could be a folder with all kinds of information, an electronic folder that's compressed or something. Or it could be inserted into an Autodesk format. Um, Autodesk uh, with the Autodesk Seek is certainly working towards having these really complete files that you can drag and drop straight into Autodesk. Lastly, in accessibility, you need centralized distribution. You need to make it easy to find. Just putting it on your website is not good enough because then they have to find your website. And your website is designed differently from every other building product manufacturer out there. So they have to learn every time they go and visit a building product manufacturer's site where to find the information. What you need to do is use a central distribution system. There are many of them. There's many directories out there. There's many online directories. Um, I would say you should be part of most of them, the electronic ones anyway. But make sure then that they're all updated. And make sure you participate in the most common one. I've already mentioned Autodesk Seek. I think the future for that is brilliant. The other one that's growing like crazy is Google. Google uh, with SketchUp certainly doesn't have the leading 3D design software, but they have the biggest uh, 3D warehouse that I've ever seen because people are having a lot of fun creating 3D graphics, 3D files, and throwing them in there for anybody to use. So you should be in there as well. And make sure that it keeps up to date. There's nothing more frustrating than downloading a CAD file for a product that is no longer available. So ideally, we're all going to move towards a system where you can centrally monitor and manage all those systems. Perhaps you put it in one repository and all of the other directories get their information from that central repository, whether it's on your computer systems or some service that doesn't really quite exist yet that will do that. So that's it. That's the three areas that you need to cover. Remember that. You have the, you have, first of all, you have the awareness, the building the brand. You have the understanding, the education on how to use the product. And you're making it easy for them to use your product. Otherwise, they'll go to somebody else's product. So remember that your marketing communications should be relevant. Make sure you present something that means something to your target group, that they want, that they need. It should be consistent. You know, the, the best brands out there have a consistent message. They know what they are. They know what their image is, and they know how to stick with that in their advertising. The advertising campaign might change, but they are consistent about their brand and who they are. You know, I could start talking about brand failures again. I mean, everybody's heard of New Coke, and they didn't understand what they were doing there. They didn't understand their, their audience and what they wanted, what was important about the product. It should be integrated, and I don't know how much I can stress this part. I know I've said it repeatedly throughout this presentation. Every part of your company should be working on the same plan, on the same idea. They should all understand the brand. Branding isn't just about the marketing geeks. It's about everybody, who, from the guys who build the product to the guys who deliver it to the customer service to accounting. It should all be integrated. It should be informative. And I know that's, you know, your, your magazine advertising is very limited. You can only do so much. In a good ad has very, 
is, is, it can't have a ton of information because actually a magazine ad with too much information will fail because it won't communicate anything. You know, traditionally, in a newspaper or a magazine ad, you say you want to have one key message and that's it. But you need to be informative. You need to provide them information that they use. And that's where the educational aspect comes in. And that's where the um, CAD details and the specification, make sure you provide that through a uh, central repository is very, very important. Your communication should be supportive. Supportive of the client. Supportive of the design professional. You, you have to understand what they go through. And you need to do everything to make their life easier, not more complicated. And we could spend a whole bunch of time just talking about that, but I'm sure you can think about what that means. How do you make their job easier? It should also be supportive because this is marketing communication of the rest of the company. Don't promise things they can't deliver. <laughs> Seems obvious, but it's, I've seen it many times. And make sure everybody's on board. Make sure everybody agrees with the marketing communication that we are going the right place. Be supportive in particular of sales. Sales and marketing should be one entity, and everybody should agree on the direction that's being taken. And finally, it should be convenient. Marketing communication should be convenient. It may seem strange, but, you know, there's times to reach people, and there's bad times to reach people. And you want to be convenient. And I, as much as I think the lunch and learns are convenient, sometimes they don't always come at the right time. It's the middle of the day. And I know that when we do education online, what people appreciate is they do it at night. We see them at night. We see them on holidays. We see them on weekends. Because that's when they have the time to sit down and spend some time doing education. So that's why on AC Daily we have these interesting stats about when people are taking courses. You have to be convenient. You have to understand their time. And also you have to, you have to be convenient uh, for the people in the small towns. I mean, you know, most marketing to uh, architects seems to be focused on the large firms. But you know the small firms do a lot of specifying as well. And so you have to find ways of reaching those folks cost-effectively, because I know you can't send your sales guy visiting every one-man firm in the country. So you have to find a way of conveniently reaching everybody. So that's all. I will, uh, here's uh, my name uh, my, uh, and contact Stéphane Deschain and my email, phone number, my partner. You can also call him if you have questions or if you want to discuss things further, Jeff Rice. Uh, the two of us are the, uh, the owners and principals of AEC Daily. So um, I really appreciate your attention today. I really uh, hope uh, that I've helped you a little bit and that I've answered your questions.